This episode is sponsored by Evel, a company dedicated to shifting the way we see autism. I'm not sure if you picked up on it, but Evel is actually Love Backwards. It was inspired by an autistic boy named Luca who wrote Love Backwards so some plants on a pot could read it. Stop for a minute and let that soak in. This kid was four, and he cared so much for the plants that he wanted to write them a love note in a way that they could read it. I think this is a great example of the surprising and unique gifts that autistic people can bring to the world. If only we shift our perspective so we can see it. Evel makes adorable hats, jewelry, and shirts, and the proceeds go to charities dedicated to spreading autism awareness and acceptance. I love this company and all the good it's doing. So if you're an autism advocate, ally, or just like to use your purchasing power for good, check out Evel at their website. I am dash love.org today. And for our listeners, they're offering 15% off your purchase. Just use the promo code no sex at checkout. That's I am dash love.org with the promo code no sex for 15% off at checkout. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Augusta, and I'm your host of No Sex in the Suburbs, a podcast about marriage, sex, and momming so hard. If you're listening to this in real-ish time, the month is April, and that is Autism Awareness Month. Yay! (laughs) If you have listened to the show before, you probably know or follow me on Instagram that my son was diagnosed with autism about a year and a half ago. And that was a big shift in our family dynamic. It led for me to quit my career and really focus on taking care of him. And it also freed up space for this podcast. So yay, hooray. So this podcast is not about autism generally. It is about what it's like to be a suburban mom uh, at the phase of life after you have lived out your Carrie Bradshaw best life and married your Mr. Big and what happens next. Um, But for me and for one out of 54 moms out there, A big part of their mom journey and identity is, in fact, being an autism mom. So because it's April, I wanted to have Megan, who is the host of Adventures in Autism, come on and together we have a little chat about what we wish parents of neurotypical kids knew about our kids who are on the spectrum. And it's tough, right? Because the spectrum is, in fact, a spectrum. The saying is, if you know one autistic person, you know one autistic person. So just as different as you and I might be, might be two different autistic kids. Her kid, for example, is non-speaking, but that doesn't mean he has nothing to say. They have a communication device and he has actually lots lots of words through that. My son is verbal, but we still go to speech um, twice a week, in fact, to get kind of the conversation skills going. We talk about stimming, we talk about language, we talk about school, we talk about inclusion. And it's a tricky month, April, really, because I think even within the autism community, there's a bit of division about how we all want to approach greater society and what we want the message to be, right? So is it the Autism Speaks model where, you know, light it up blue and paint your nails blue and uh, support the puzzle piece logo? Or do we want the logo to be the infinity symbol with the rainbow sign on it? I think that's 
what a lot of actually autistic people are pushing, you know, but there is kind of division in the, within the community of is, is this a disease or is this a disability? Is it something that we want to get rid of or find a cure for? Um, or is it more a, a, a disability? Um, or is it even a, not even a disability, just a difference, a variance. So um, I just read recently that I think the Autism Society is pushing for that. The way that I explain it to people really is that it's a different operating system for sure. So in a world of PCs, my son is a Mac. It just is. And he's never going to become a PC. It doesn't matter what we do. And I don't need him to turn into a PC. What I need is for society to accept Macs. And so that's the work that I'm trying to do as part of my podcast is to spread awareness about that. And I'm so grateful to have Megan on the show. She is an amazing resource. Um, As I mentioned, her podcast is called Adventures in Autism. If you are in any way affiliated with the autistic community and you want to learn more about autism, she goes in depth there. I highly recommend it. Um, I actually guested on her show a couple weeks ago and we went in depth about my road to diagnosis. We had a bit of a tricky one. It was very touch and go because my son was actually diagnosed not autistic by a neurologist and um, three out of three pediatricians also said no. So it was very kind of here and there and everywhere. So that was that was tough for us. Um, so I encourage you to check out that episode if you want more, more detail. But for now, I really hope you enjoy the show. I hope you learn some things and pass this along to anyone who you know who might be affected by autism or even who someone who just wants to live in a more inclusive and open society. The number one thing that you can do to support the show is to leave a review and share with a friend. Um, It really means so much to me. Just the other week I saw this um, review that I hadn't seen and it was a mom who happens to be an autism mom, but she found out about the show from a neurotypical mom and um, she really loved it. And, you know, this is a, this is a passion project for me. This is my stay at home mom project and I'm so grateful to be able to do it and I really appreciate all your support. So thank you so much and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Megan. Welcome to No Sex in the Suburbs. Hey, Haley. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. We are so excited to have you. So I was just doing your intro, talking about how you are the host of the podcast, Adventures in Autism. You are an amazing autism mom and advocate. And so I just, this podcast obviously is not for special needs. This is for all moms. Um, However, I would like to use this as a little bit of a platform to gain some allies and some advocates. And so I thought I wanted to just take this time to tell us a little bit about your son and what you would want neurotypical parents to know about autism. So so let's just start from the beginning. Your son Logan has autism and you have two neurotypical girls? I do. Yeah. So Logan is eight and he was diagnosed with autism when he was four. Um, At the time I had my daughter Liliana, she was one. And then just a few months after his diagnosis, we had a surprise pregnancy and then we had our next daughter, Layla. Uh, So the girls are now, they're almost five and almost three. Their birthdays are coming up in the next couple months. Um, And they're typical. So we have a wonderful, just rowdy, fun, unique kind of family. Um, My husband, Manny, and I, we live in Chicago. I was just telling you, it's freezing here. (laughs) But basically, to kind of go back to the beginning, 
Logan, the first year of his life, he was just a hundred percent perfect, hit every milestone. He was the happiest, sweetest baby. Like not a thing was amiss. And then around his first birthday, I just kind of got this little mom sensor going off that he wasn't really talking. I had been a nanny for like 10 years and, you know, I, I, I didn't know much about like child development, but I knew enough to know, okay, he should probably be talking around now. And I would bring up the speech issue to his pediatrician at like his one year visit. And then I brought it up again at his 15 month visit. And he did have a couple words. It wasn't like he wasn't saying anything, but he was not adding to that. Like it wasn't expanding. And I just, a lot of times in the beginning, I used to say like, I I felt like his lights weren't on. And that was sort of like the phrase I would use a lot. Or I would say, I don't, I I can't see his wheels turning. You know, what's so funny is that's exactly what happened with my son. Like zero to one, you know, I thought maybe he was kind of like a, I thought he was really smart always, but like kind Mm -hmm. of serious. Um, very dialed in, like very dialed in. But mm-hmm. it was when he was one, I went back to work and I kind of was like, you're, I, I just, I feel like you're not really hitting milestones anymore, but maybe I'm not home as much. And I was pregnant with my second, literally had the doctor and my husband both laugh at me and tell me I was a crazy hormonal woman because <laughs> I was worried about the not speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a really common, you know, thread with kids on the spectrum that the speech thing just I mean some kids are on the other end and they're you know like the hyperlexic they're really talkative but we so often see these speech delays with kids on the spectrum so that was definitely my first red flag and like I said I continued to bring it up to his pediatrician it wasn't until his 18 month checkup that I really kind of demanded for him to be evaluated by early intervention because again my doctor was still kind of brushing things off logan was always like i said really happy really engaged like he didn't make perfect eye contact but when we'd go to the doctor you know he would look at her he would smile at her and i mean i've said this so many times on my own show but i i really just think pediatricians as much as i i think they're amazing they really only know what like typical children look like and have such like a baseline knowledge of anything outside of that, you know, quote unquote norm box. So three for three pediatricians (laughs) said my son was not autistic. Um, Also, I want to stop you because my son actually is hyperlexic and Mm -hmm. but he had Mm -hmm. a speech delay. Um, But I don't think that you have to now he can speak and read, but it's about reading and decoding like it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. verbal. But yeah, well, that's I think is interesting too because a lot of people you know we put such labels on like like my son is is still he's nonverbal so he uses a a device to speak he does have some words but I feel like especially you know just in, in the autism community there's a lot of you know kind of like divisiveness unfortunately and it's kind of like oh well are you verbal? Are you nonverbal? Can you speak? Can you not speak? And sometimes even when we have you know a speaking child a lot of times it's like, sure, they can speak, they can speak very well, but is it really functional language? Are Mm -hmm. they able to like carry a conversation? And a lot of the parents that I talk to, like, they'll tell me, you know, I feel kind of isolated because, you know, my child does speak, but it's not like I can have a normal conversation with them. So that, that can be a challenge. And I, I talk to parents who, even if they have a child who's verbal, they still will use a device. So like my son, Logan, he's had his device now for about a year and a half. 
And it's an iPad with a program. He uses one called Touch Chat. And it's basically like little icons on the screen. There's there's a home screen and then there's it's it's really like somebody said to me when we first started that it was like learning a new language and that could not be more true. <laughs> so it's we've like I said, we've had it for a year and a half. I've done a lot of training. We have like a, a speech therapist we work with who is an expert on it and we're, we're all learning with Logan all the time, but so, he navigates very well. Like, how does it work? Let's say you ask him, like, what do you want for lunch? And he will type it and then show you? Yeah. So he'll, so if I say, like, what do you want for dinner? He'll say, eat. Like, there's a little button for eat. And it's kind of like, almost like stick figures. Um, so it'll say eat. And then he, when he pulls, when he hits the eat button, a bunch of, it'll pop to the next page and a bunch of the, his food choices will come up. And And again, everything is categorized. So it's like, there'll be choices for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So he knows like, okay, if this isn't, if I don't see what I want in here, I need to go to the the dinner section. So there is a lot of navigating involved Mm. and it's, that's where like the the piece comes in of it's like learning new language. It's not like you just, you know, you have this device and it's like, okay, we're off to the races. It definitely takes time. So what he'll say now is, you know, eat chicken nuggets, please. And, and to do that, it, 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 it's three buttons, but it takes probably at at least five clicks just to like navigate through everything. Um, and then like, and and that will all form a sentence at the top. There's like a sentence bar and then he will, he'll tap that sentence bar and it will say the whole thing all together. So it'll say, and we're always trying to work with him. So we, we would like it to expand to the full sentence of, I want to eat chicken nuggets, please. And he's getting better at doing that. We're always, you know, prompting him and trying to get him to expand on his words. But again, it's it's a, a work in progress for sure. Uh, one of the things that Logan loves to do, you and I were talking about self-regulation before, and I forgot to mention this, but lately, especially these last couple months, he is obsessed with taking baths. And especially when he gets home from school, it's like the first thing he wants to do is get in the bathtub and he'll just kind of hang out in there. He loves the bubbles. He'll sort of splash around and like, it's, it's not even that big of a bathtub, but he'll, he'll flip over like a fish. He just loves it. So almost every day when he gets home, he does take a bath, please. And so that's kind of how we start. But it's it's awesome because, you know, before he he didn't have the skills, the the, the language skills to be able to tell me that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of guessing involved with, okay, what do you want? Do you want this? There's a lot of pointing. And we used a, sort of a, a low tech communication system beforehand called PAX, which is a picture exchange communication. And I think that was really helpful because it set him up for his device because the pictures look kind of similar. But I mean, it's interesting because like you said, we're, you know, people that listen to the show are mostly, you know, neurotypical parents. So this is probably like a a lot of information (laughs) I'm throwing out there right now. Um, Yeah, but it's super interesting. And part of this is to open people's eyes who, you know, don't have years and years to research, to give to researching autism. So that kind of brings me to my next question of what Mm -hmm. do you want people to know? So if they come to your house, I mean, like they're going to see this device and, um, you know, like you've talked about sensory stuff, like, tell me, tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, we are really lucky that our our friends and family that, you know, are, are very new to this whole autism world have been like super accepting. And one of the things that I, I love, especially some of my friends who have typical kids, when they see Logan's device, they're really interested and they're like, oh, how does he use that? I want to see. And 
that's that to me is like the one of the best things that you can do is like show genuine interest and asking questions. I think a lot of times, you know, we feel like maybe we don't want to ask the questions. We don't want to be rude. But to be honest, I never think asking questions is rude. Obviously, the way you phrase it (laughs) sometimes has something to do with it. But I love when people ask questions because I feel like they're genuinely interested. And it's not, you know, there's a way to to kind of pry about things. But there's also a way to just want to be, like, educated and and learn something new. And for me, like, nine times out of ten, when somebody asks me a question, I'm more than happy to take that moment to educate them. And this could be a friend or a stranger. I can't tell you how many times... I've been at the grocery store with Logan and he wears headphones because he does have, you know, some, mostly he's a sensory seeker. So he's like looking for loud things or to wants to touch everything. But sometimes in, in like big crowded places, loud noises can be really distracting Scary. to him, but also it's, it's more just like he's uncomfortable with it. Um, it's meant so to be painful, headphones. right? Like for, I, you know, I wish I knew exactly what it is, but it's, he just, it, and a lot of times he's fine. Like if we go to, he, I mean, obviously this was a non COVID times, but like he always loved going to like baseball games or like theme parks. Like he loves that kind of stuff. So a lot of times when it's, when it's like a, a background loud noise, he's fine with it. But what he doesn't like is if like our house is quiet and the dog barks really loudly, that will immediately kind of set him over the edge. Or if one of my girls, my daughters will like scream or, you know, that kind of thing. And what happens when that happens? You know, thankfully, Logan is like a really even keeled kid. So if he doesn't have his headphones on, he'll probably just cover his ears and maybe make like like a protest you're like "Ah." he he thankfully we we rarely see a meltdown from him or you know anything like that occasionally if it's if it's like really startled him and scared him he may cry but he's over it pretty quickly um but thankfully we have a lot of tools kind of at his disposal like the headphones so we don't run into too many issues like that that's another thing I guess I'd like for people to know is, you know, I think as moms, it doesn't matter typical or non-typical. We, we always try to stay on top of things with our kids and like be prepared. And I think for, you know, special needs moms, we, we have to do that like times 10. We have to have like everything ready to go. And, you know, with Logan, that means he needs his headphones. He also has like a chewy clip to his shirt, which is like a little kind of rubber tube that if he needs some kind of, you know, oral input, something to chew on, that is is right there ready for him. I was telling you beforehand, like our house is, if someone comes over, our house looks different than, you know, a typical family's house. We have locks on absolutely everything. So every cabinet, every door, the, really the only things that we keep unlocked are Logan's bedroom and the basement because the basement has his pod swing and has his trampoline. He's got some other kind of movement stuff down there. He's got like a scooter and all kind of, he loves balls. He's got a million balls in there. He can bang and run with his ball and, and dribble his ball. So he has like free reign in the basement. And then in his bedroom, he has, he has a bed tent. So it kind of is like a little cave for him. He's got some, weighted blankets he's got a beanbag chair he has a sound machine like we just kind of have these like zones for him but other than that literally everything in our house is locked and that really is for safety reasons because like he will 
not not too long ago, my daughters have piggy banks in their room, and he got into my daughter's piggy bank, and he ended up swallowing a nickel. Oh wow! And yeah, so that kind of stuff, like we just we can't take chances on it. So literally everything is locked. We have to keep the bathrooms locked because he will, you know, turn the water on and jump in the sink, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. So there is there's always something going on over here but we just try to stay like two steps ahead of him if we can um so that's that's the kind of stuff I guess I would like people to know and that you know maybe that might be like alarming for some people when they come over and they see like there this everything in this house is under lock and key or you know there there's all this like extra equipment everywhere but I think the important thing to remember is that like for us this is our version of normal and honestly, we do these things to, to make our lives easier. That's sort of, that's what I always tell people is I'm like, you know, they'll say to me, oh my gosh, this is like so much to remember with like the locks or with this and that. And I'm like, you know, it's a lot on the front end, but then it, it makes things easier on the back end. Cause we don't have to be worrying about, okay, what is he getting into? Cause like he loves toothpaste. Like he'll go in, if he gets into my bathroom, he will eat an entire tube of toothpaste. <laughs> like that kind of stuff Yikes. is we just have to be on top of it. So, like I said, there's, there's just always, there's, as a mom, there's always a million things to be thinking about and juggling. And then, you know, when you have a, a child on a spectrum, it's just like tenfold. Yeah. I, somebody calls it like extreme parenting. Um, yeah, totally. We definitely <laughs> have real up high locks because when my son was two, he was really into opening and shutting doors, which is fine mm. if they're internal doors. Actually, it's really annoying. Um, but like, we just didn't want him to run out. So I feel that let's say your girls have friends over. Do they get to play on the pod swing and like do all the fun stuff? Or is that like exclusively Logan's? Oh, no, totally. We let everybody play. We just just more recently, my daughter has been having more kind of friends over for like the drop off kind of play date. You know, it's like their their parents don't stay. And thankfully, most of her friends have been pretty open to Logan. Um, and we talk about autism like really openly in our house. So if, if anyone ever has any questions, if child, like I said, or adult, I'm, I'm happy to answer questions. I also have like several children's books about autism. And if I can tell that, you know, the child maybe has some questions, but doesn't want to ask me, I'll send out when their mom comes to get him, I'll send him home with one of the books. Do you and I'm know like, the hey. names of the books? Like, can I put them oh, in yeah. the show notes? Can you? Of course. Yeah, I can. My, 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 probably my favorite one that I think is really great for kids is one called, why is he doing that? Um, that was written by an autism sibling and she, she just did a really great job of making it really easy to digest for kids. I've actually a couple times I, I went to my daughter's preschool class and I read that to her classroom. And uh, this, again, this was before, you know, non COVID times. Um, and then when Logan was in kindergarten, I went to the typical kindergarten classroom and I read that to those kids um, because I just think kids need to be exposed as well as, 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 you know, adults do. And I think, they really are the ones who are growing up alongside our kids. So the more they know, the better. Mm -hmm. And just kind of recently, my daughter had a friend over and she said something because, you know, again, Logan doesn't speak. And she said, oh, he's like a baby. And I said, Aww. no, he's not like a baby. He's a big boy. He just he doesn't use words like you do. He uses words like this. And I showed his talker. So stuff like that, you know, it's they're they're so easy to like redirect at that age. And I think it's just kind of, you know, giving them 
the resources, like the books or just having these conversations, I think is so important. So that's another thing for people listening. And, and this is something I talk about with my own kids too, even though like they, you know, they have a brother with special needs. There's, there's so many different, you know, unique people out there. And I'm always talking about how, you know, people are all different and we just need to be accepting and kind to everyone. Just recently, my daughter and I, we were like making dinner together. She's helping me cook. And just kind of randomly, she said, mommy, why does Logie have autism? And I said, that's just how God made him. We're all different. And that's just the way that God made him. And she was like, oh, okay. And like, that was it. Moving on. <laughs> awesome. And, and same thing, you know, with, with all, all different kind, kind of people. And we all, there, there's, like I said, there's, there's so many unique wonderful people in the world and for little kids especially I just think they are they're like sponges and what we tell them now really matters totally and and that's part of the reason why I want to do this podcast is because you know I have a mom she's like oh Haley I have a kid in my kids class that's autistic and like I don't know you know I don't know anything I don't know what to do you know how can we be good people and I think you're so right about diversity is important but it is also cool and benefits yeah. everybody to be exposed. So, you know, when you see a kid who's got headphones on at the grocery store, you know, you don't have to avoid them or whatever. You just mm-hmm. know not to make a sharp, loud noise, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think you're, that's another thing, awareness for kids. So like my son, it's almost like he has a blind spot of social behavioral norms. Mm-hmm. So, um, personal space like I'm just trying to introduce like if it's not your family then you can picture like an imagine uh, like an imaginary bubble around you and you can't yeah. invade their person because if my son sees like a cool button or he can you know he's hyperlexic so words are a huge thing for him so if somebody's mm-hmm. shirt has like you know printed something on it he'll want to go up and like touch it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like the person's yeah. chest like whoa buddy you know Logan um, the same way he's like super affectionate he wants to hug strangers and we've had some you know not so great instances like that so we're always working on like appropriate behaviors but it's a work in progress for sure Mm -hmm. and but also part of the awareness of you know this kid has autism so don't freak out if he does Mm -hmm. something that's funky you know another example is my son there was a kid and look at this point I was just stoked he was interested in another kid right but he was interested in the other kid's (laughs) stroller or stroller scooter so instead Mm -hmm. of going up and looking him in the eye or even anywhere in his face and saying like oh I think your scooter's cool it's just like mine he went like straight down to the scooter Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was like your scooter's just like mine like it's the scooter like and you know went off about the scooter and the kid is like uh who are you and like why are you touching my (laughs) scooter and get away from me you know and it's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think there, there's, there's often, you know, people talk about autism awareness and, and again, this is more like in our, in the actual autism community, people will say, you know, we're past awareness and we need acceptance, which I totally believe. And I, I, I'm always striving for acceptance, but I, one thing that I always say is it really starts with awareness though, because, you know, just because people have like a very basic understanding of autism, that doesn't mean that, like you said, when, you know, you see a child doing something that is outside the norm that you wouldn't maybe have a reaction to that. 
that, that, that it wouldn't startle you or, you know, little stuff. Like we, we went out for lunch the other day and Logan loves going to places. So we're really lucky. He's like really happy to be anywhere. But the funny thing about him, even though he wears the headphones and he doesn't like other people to be loud, he is like the loudest person you will ever meet. Funny. <laughs> and he is a total screamer, but it's always like a happy scream. And, you know, th- we're always working with him on like indoor voice, but there are times when, you know, we'll get like a loud, happy scream out of him and things like that. Like people definitely, it could, it could startle you. And I, there's definitely times where I get that look like, oh, you're a bad parent. You can't control your kid. And it's like, well, no, you know, my, my child has special needs. And honestly, like I have developed like such a thicker skin than I did back in the beginning of this journey like that would have probably sent me into tears a few years ago now I'm just kind of like I'll give you that look right back um but <laughs> Good for you. you know stuff yeah stuff like that like it's it's more than just like that basic understanding of autism it's like you know if you were to see a child like having a meltdown or you know like I said displaying behaviors that are not that are outside the norm like seeing a child stim like Logan is is very stimmy um okay like so I, should, I was gonna yeah. ask you Okay, for the neurotypical people who don't know yeah. what a stim is, tell me about what a stim is, what the stims that your son is into, and how okay. a neurotypical person can react or not react or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so stimming comes from the term self-stimulatory behavior, meaning like if, you know, we all we all really have stims. Like I tend to play with my nails. Like I kind of like push my cuticles back just with my finger. Some people, you know, they shake their leg. Some people twirl their hair. That's all self-stimulatory behavior. And it's just something that kind of helps you regulate. You might call it a habit and that's fine. As long as it's not a, a habit that hurts you or somebody else, then I think it's fine. And thankfully, Logan doesn't have any kind of like dangerous or harmful stims. So we let him stim freely. So when he was very little, one of the the earliest stims that we saw of him was jumping. I always joke that he was like just a little bunny, like hopping around the house. And we just thought it was really cute when he was a baby. And we're like, oh, he just loves to jump. Or like he would hold on to the side of his crib and jump like a trampoline. Like that's how we knew he was awake because we would hear the springs of his mattress. Like like we heard him, you know, babbling, we heard him jumping. So that was a really early stim for him. Um, He also used to, when he was a very, when he was really little, he would um, not hard, but he would like pull on his strands of hair almost in like a, like a methodical way. Um, Especially if he was tired, like that was something. And at the time we did not realize that this was like stimming. We just thought, Oh, he's got this little habit. That's now that he's, yeah. I have a neurotypical grown up friend. And when she gets tired, she plays Uh with her eyelashes. (laughs) Yeah. My sister bites her nails. Like that, that to me is a destructive sim because she has constantly got like chewed up cuticles, Mm -hmm. but it's like stuff like that, that, you know, you, you probably don't even necessarily realize you're doing it, but it's like somehow calming to you. Like those are the kind of things that, you know, would be considered a sim. So the biggest one for Logan now is he loves any kind of ball. He loves a soccer ball, a basketball, a volleyball. We have I can't even tell you how many balls we have in this house. And he loves to basically like hold a ball and kind of bang on it. Like he takes his palm and he bangs on it. Um, he will bounce with it or he will run with it. But generally he he wants to kind of like bang on a ball. So that is his, I would say his usual kind of stim. And that's the thing that he that really regulates him. Like in the morning when he wakes up, that's the first thing he does is go find a ball. When he comes home from school, 
find a ball. Like he just, that really helps to regulate him. But he also does a lot of vocal stimming. So again, he's nonverbal, but he makes a lot of sounds. And that was actually something, again, when he was very little, he used to have this, this little sound that he made and he still sometimes makes it now. But again, we thought he was kind of babbling, but looking back now, he was totally stimming because it was very repetitive and he would use like different inflection with it. So there's so many things when you look back, you're like, oh, this all makes sense now. Um, but he still does a lot of vocal swimming and that's kind of where the, the yelling or the screaming will come in. Again, it's always like a happy scream, but it's loud and it's often. So those are just like a few things that he does. He, he has, he has a bunch more, but, um, stimming is is very common with people on the spectrum and it, and it looks different everyone has different stims and the, the important thing is like i said as long as it's not like harmful or dangerous to you know the person or anyone around them it's it's really important to just respect that and you you know you might be startled by it you might give a look or something but just know that that's what that person is doing especially in like a situation where maybe they are more uncomfortable it's just helping kind of like calm them down it's just giving them that little bit of peace and it's it really is like nothing to make a big deal about excellent advice excellent advice um my son is generally not that well he goes through phases of stims um, yeah but some are more annoying than others and i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm on the fence of like (laughs) instead of like you know, running into the wall. Could you like do a dance or could you like stomp mm-hmm. something? Like my OT therapist said, try to read, you know, you can't stop a stim, but you might be able to like redirect a stim. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But also it's not harming anyone. And so I'm like, okay, I guess it's my problem and I need to like not be annoyed by this noise. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's so funny. Like I never realized my own sensory aversions until I had Logan and I learned about this kind of stuff because I definitely, I mean, I, I'm a pretty patient person, but there, there are times where, like you said, like there, things will annoy me and it's not, it's not just with Logan. Like my daughters do it too. <laughs> like yeah. there's things where I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm kind of hitting my limit of like, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little overstimulated here where I would not have realized that before. And now I'm like, okay, I, I see that this is bothering me. Most of the time what I do then is I put in my earbuds and listen to a podcast pretty loudly so I can't hear anything else. Nice. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oh, um, I This is another thing I want parents to know. My kid can hear. So yeah. if you have a question, go ahead and ask him. Like, and my mm-hmm. kid can talk. So like, but don't ask me like, oh, do you think Charlie wants, you know, crackers? I don't know. Ask him. He's right there. Right. Totally. Yeah. And and that's a lot of times with Logan, it's, it's, it's such a fine line because he, you know, he doesn't have the verbal skills. So, and even though he has his device, like I said, he, he, he's still, I would say using his device for more basic communication to like, kind of get like his wants and needs met. It's, it's not really like for, he's not really able to have a conversation yet. He can do kind of basic social things. Like he can say to someone, you know, like, what's up how are you doing like using his device but it's we're not we're definitely not like a conversational spot yet so I think sometimes people just don't don't necessarily know how to approach it so I'm always just kind of like you know speak to him as you would to any kid and if 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 we have an issue or he can't answer you that's fine like let's you know we can we can move on but it's really just kind of the respect thing too of like, like you said, like he can hear, he's right there. And, you know, we just, we, we want to, even though, you know, 
he's a child, we that child still deserves respect. So yes, and I would think that of any child. The truth is, any language leads to more language, and that's really what I always try to tell parents now. You know, typical or not, because there's a lot of parents will reach out to me because they know Logan does have a device and say, you know, I I still really want them to talk. And the truth is giving them the device is not going to hinder them speaking. It's if anything, it's going to help them. And we've seen that with Logan. He has so many words now that he would, he did not have before he was using the device. Again, he can't always access them. If they're not very consistent, which is why we like having the device. But I think that is a really common fear for parents is that like, Oh my gosh, if we give them these other means of communication, are they going to rely on those and not on talking? And the truth is, if they if they're going to talk, they will. And you know, if, if Logan doesn't talk, I'm at the point now where I'm like 100% okay with that. I'm really just focused on functional communication with him, meaning with his device. It's taken me a long time to get here, so it's not like I'm trying to say like parents you need to get there overnight. But that is definitely something I, I always like to to share because I think it's it is important. But by the time we got to that conversation with the speech therapist saying, you know, we're, we're on the horizon of him getting the device, I was ready for it. I had come to that place and I was ready for him to, to just have more words and have, have more, more access to words and more forms of communication. So by the time we got to that kindergarten year, we were all in agreement at his IEP. We talked about him, you know, starting his device and, Thankfully, it was the the start then of his first grade year that we were able to get the device. Um, and he works on it at school in speech therapies. We have a, a private speech therapist. So like I said, she is like an expert on using devices. So she's really helped us a ton. And uh, me, my husband and Logan, like we all have, have really gained a lot from, from having her. But I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell, the whole process of using a device. It, it definitely, it looks different for everyone. You can go through insurance. You can, you can get a device on your own. Ours is through our district. We have a, we're actually part of a co-op. This is another kind of sort of unique situation, but the district that we live in is very small. So Logan is technically like an out of plate and out of district placement because he has pretty significant needs so what they do is like his class it's small it's like four or five kids they all have autism and they really are able to cater to those kids needs so everything is broken down a lot more like I was saying you know he needs things really broken down for him in order to perform he is really smart there we we're constantly amazed like his teacher just a couple weeks ago was telling me how he's doing amazing with like measurements and fractions like wow that blew- <laughs> yeah but he really needs somebody to be doing this with him one-on-one in like a group setting in a big classroom he would get lost and he mm-hmm. would be distracted and he he really needs somebody like I said kind of one-on-one breaking everything down for him and then he does great and thankfully his his class is housed in a typical school so he gets pulled in for inclusion time And he does like PE and music class with his typical peers. Not everyone in his class does that because it's not appropriate for everybody. But Logan does great with that and he loves it. So he gets pulled out a lot. But it just kind of depends on the person. I mean, I think that's another thing. And I people probably know this by now. But, you know, the spectrum is so wide and so varied. I always say it's like, you know, as different as you and I are, that's as different as two people on the spectrum can be. And I think there's sort of this this guise of like autism is one thing and it's, it's not, it's a million things. So it's really just about meeting each child where they're at and providing for that 
child specifically totally. or adult. So that's one of the things that actually bugs me the most about autism spectrum is that yeah. like you might think five things and Charlie might have one of those things right. like and right. it you know and and so on that note when we were going through our discovery and diagnosis phase it seems like there's kind of two camps and this is for the neurotypical audience that like is really not even paying attention to all this because they're focused on their own lives which I totally get like there's the something's wrong with your kid and it needs to be fixed and you gotta you know go on a diet and do the therapies and all these things and get like, you know, one of your things was like, I want to get these gains, which I get, but there's like a kind of a camp of like, this is wrong. This is a disease. And then there's the other camp of this is a handicap and this is a disability and we need to get society to uh, become more accepting of these people and they can bring good stuff to the table too. So what do you say to that? Um, okay. So I always like to backtrack and say, we are all at different points in our journey. And I understand those parents that are scared and just want to help their kids by any means necessary. And I'm not saying that they're right, but I also don't think they're wrong because I know that it comes from a good place. And I, I know that, that fear, cause I felt that. So I always want to have compassion and, you know, like because I have the podcast, I've had it for a while now. I, I do get a lot of parents reaching out to me that are in that place. And I always just try to, you know, I, I, like I said, we're all we're all at different points in our journey. And I never judge anyone for that. But I, what I think is is really more important is that, like you said, you know, autism is, it's just a different way of thinking. And because it is becoming more prevalent, there are more and more kids getting diagnosed with autism. It is such a, a wide and varied spectrum. It doesn't mean one thing. Like there are plenty of people who have autism that will, you know, go to college and get married and have kids. There are plenty of people with autism who will, you know, maybe live at home with their parents forever and need care forever. Right. And both of those things are completely okay. But more importantly, I just, what I would want is for, you know, society to realize that th this is, this is a, a big part of the population. There are a lot of kids in the spectrum. There are a lot of parents raising kids in the spectrum. There are a lot of adults in the spectrum. And I, like you said, I think, you know, we, we need to catch up a little bit and realize that this is not a disease. It's a disorder. And it really is. It's, it's a, it's a neurological disorder. It's, it's not a behavioral disorder. It's not a mental disorder. It's the brain. We're working with a different operating system here. And that's really all it is. So, and I would say that to, to literally anybody, whether you are a parent of a newly diagnosed child and you're having a hard time, that's what I would say to, you know, that this, that nothing is wrong with your kid. Your kid just thinks differently than you do. And, you know, these, these ideas that you maybe had for them that look a little bit different now and are hard to let go of, that's okay. It's okay to be sad and to grieve and to go through that. I think that's important because I think if you don't do that, you're really doing yourself a disservice. But then on the other side of things, you know, to, to the society and all the, the typical world, I just think, you know, we're, we're getting to a better place, I feel like, with acceptance, but we definitely still have a long way to go. And the best way to do that is, is like this, to have conversations and have a better understanding and ask those questions 
and just just be more accepting as a whole. I think that's a beautiful answer. And I say that all the time to teachers and stuff. I'm like, look, in a world of PCs, my son is a Mac. You know what I mean? And I don't want to he's not going to become a PC. So like, you know, you can try all your like control shift delete like commands. It's not going to make it's not going to move the needle because he is working with a different operating system. Yeah. 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 Like we've been really lucky as far as school goes. Like I said, we are in a a co-op. So we're definitely not like on the typical path of schooling. But the good thing is, is what we're a part of is so accepting and just really caters to Logan's needs and really does meet him where he's at. And it's, it's been just so refreshing to have that support. And like I said, because I talk to a lot of parents, I know that that isn't always the case. So I really just feel so lucky to, to have our, our system the way I do just yesterday I was was asked to go to the the board meeting for the co-op and speak on a parent panel and they had a whole list of questions it was me and three other moms that were able to answer questions about the IEP process really from our perspective and how these educators can you know make it better and what we want to get out of schooling and what we're looking for and even just you know have having that voice I feel so grateful because it should be the norm, but I know it isn't always the case. Yeah. I mean, my son is earmarked for mainstream. He's been mainstream since the beginning. So there was no like self, you know, self-inclusion or whatever the special ed class thing. What's it called when they're self-contained, self-contained, <laughs> self-contained. Mm-hmm. such a yeah. weird term. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so he's mainstream, but like, you can't throw him in a class of 32, which is the California legal limit in our district for kindergarten. Like, no way, yeah. you know, and, and what they're proposing is like he's going to have 8% of the time help. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Yeah. So we're really struggling about what we're going to do. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's hard. It's it, that That is like, that's such an uphill battle. And I, I really have such a heart for people dealing with that because- like I said, we've just been really lucky and really thankful for the education system that, that we have and that Logan's a part of. But I know how hard it is yeah. for other people. Well, Megan, this has been really great. I can't wait to get this out there and spread yeah. the word and use this as a little beacon for the autistic community to the neurotypical community. Um, before I let you go, I started, I'm started. i starting to do this new thing called Shit I Bought on the Internet. Oh, this week. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you bought anything on the internet this week that you give a thumbs up or thumbs down to. Oh my gosh. What haven't I bought on the internet this week? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> I think literally earlier today I bought, okay. So my son is obsessed with beef jerky. Okay. Like that is his, his, like he just loves it. Um, so my Amazon orders, like if you look through it, like 90% of it is beef jerky. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So that's like always being delivered. Um, I bought a dress for myself earlier. I'm trying to think of if there was anything like different that I bought recently. Okay. This isn't something I bought on the internet, but I'll share because I do think I was pretty creative and I was proud of myself for doing this. So this is like a whole other topic, but I've been on this like self-care journey really for the past. I I made it my, my goal in 2020 to work on my self-care game. I didn't really get to the goal until like the end of self uh, uh, end of 2020 but I'm getting a lot better and part of that is losing weight I was 
definitely overweight. I was not healthy. I was having some other kind of like minor health issues. So I've lost about 40 pounds, which is great. Amazing. But thank you. Um, I, so I love coffee and I have to have good coffee. Like that is a non-negotiable. I have to enjoy my coffee. I cannot drink black coffee, even though I'm like, you know, watching my calories, watching my sugars, all that stuff. So I started using oat milk coffee creamer, which is delicious. And I really love it. But then a friend of mine who's also losing weight introduced me to, they're called skinny syrups. I don't know why, but you can buy them at TJ Maxx or home goods, okay. <laughs> it's kind of but in like the kitchen section and they're so yummy. They're, they're sugar free. And I, so I use the, the, the oatmeal coffee creamer and then I'll just put like a splash of these skinny syrups. The one I have now is butter toffee flavor. It's super delicious. But the bottle, it's like a tall, like almost like a wine bottle that it comes in. And I wanted to keep it in my cabinet because that's where I keep my coffee. And I'm like, then I can just like grab it. But it was a little bit too tall. So I was having to like put it on its side. And I just kept getting annoyed with it in my cabinet. So I just went back to Home Goods to restock my skinny syrups. And I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get like a cute olive oil bottle and put my skinny syrup in the olive oil bottle so I can just leave it right there on my counter. So that's what I did. So if there's anything that you like are reaching for often and you don't like the package it comes in, put it, put it in an olive oil bottle and just leave it right out for you. That's cool. I like it. I'm going to need you to send me the link of the oat milk and the skinny syrup. If oh, you- totally. Yeah, I will. Yeah. The oat milk, it's funny because I, I posted about it like on my Instagram because a lot of people were asking me and a lot of people are telling me they're having a really hard time finding it. I live in Chicago. The grocery store that I shop at most of the time is Meyer. I'm sure that is not everywhere. No. And I have no problem finding it there. But people in like other parts of the country are like, I'm desperate for this coffee creamer and they can't find it. But the skinny syrups, as long as you have like a TJ Maxx or a Home Goods near you, you can get it online too. But they have they have like a million flavors and they're super tasty. Nice. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And these yeah. are totally unpaid endorsements. Um, I actually have a thumbs. Oh yeah. Thumbs downer. <laughs> I'd like to share. Oh. Um, okay. I bought Hair Story. Have you heard of Hair Story? I have heard of Hair Story. Is that like shampoo? It's like yeah, it's like the non-shampoo or whatever. And okay. they um. They, they really they just advertise on Instagram I think um, okay. but anyway so I was using it and I have thin thin hair like I have a lot of hair but it's thin and it tends to be greasy in the scalp and then dry at the bottom and hair, hair story totally sucked like do not mm. get it I give it a big thumbs down oh what a bummer I, <laughs> I, I have really thin hair too and I don't have a lot of it I have like four hairs on my head nice. so they are precious to me and I have to <laughs> very careful. My favorite, if you have thin hair, I love Batiste dry shampoo. You can get it like Target or wherever. And I love it because I have really dark brown hair and it comes in colors. So I use the one for dark brown hair. And I actually use, I use dry shampoo like on my clean hair because it just gives my hair some body. So I use dry shampoo, like insane. I I love dry shampoo. So that's, that's my, my tip for that. All right. Yeah. I'm going to need the link for that too. Okay. Megan, thank you so much. This was so fun and illuminating (laughs) and I'm going to try the shampoo and the coffee and yeah. All right. Have a great rest of your week and I will talk to you later. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.